Well, folks, I think of my promise. I'm going to try to live long enough and preach long enough so that we can get through Revelation. And then Katie and I can go home to our grandkids. Actually, you are not benefiting as much as I am. I'm getting the most out of this, and you're paying me for it. I love that part of this job. This is a chart that I put together of the seven churches and each of the messages that Jesus gave to them and what was wrong with them, what was right with them. And that was in the first three chapters of Revelation. John the Apostle was a young man when he met Jesus. He and his brother were fishermen. Unlikely candidates to be having visions and being able to look into the future and what John has given us is really a gift as we look into these chapters in the book of Revelation. We're going to see many, many scenes in the book of Revelation, but we must pay close attention to the beginning scenes. And we have actually spent several Sundays now looking at the first three chapters of this book, and we haven't even gotten started yet. And now we're going into the fourth and fifth. And these scenes are what John saw when he was lifted up into heaven and saw and looked. And we're going to examine about what he saw. They're very significant to us. And one of the things that this generation, not my generation, your generation does, and I've noticed it, you'll be looking at a, a video and all of a sudden you're switching to the end. How many do that in a mystery book that you're reading? You go to the end first? Okay, Madi, you're guilty, yeah. No, who created imagination and drama, mystery? Did man create that? Well, yes, most of mystery and drama was written by men and women. Agatha Christie, great mystery writer. Anyway, it was God who gave to man the ability to figure things out. You remember when Adam was first made? What was his first assignment? His first job? Name the animals. We're taking care of a couple of animals, a rabbit and a bird. I got bit by the rabbit right here, trying to feed him. Nasty guy. He's a sweetie now, but boy, the introduction was hard. And the bird is a uh, lovebird from Africa. Anyway, she has a wicked beak. And last night, we kind of open their cages so they can kind of come out and then just go back in, which they do. But the bird came out and landed on my head <laughs> and was kind of doing something with my hair, pecking away. And it flew over to Katie's hair and Katie threw it across the room. <laughs> well, at least it flew across the room, mostly on its own. Anyway, we're... I'll move on. But one thing, 
I asked Alina, what are the names of your animals? Because, you know, we have to have a name, right? Spot or something like that. And she said, rabbit and bird. <laughs> I said, come on. You've got to have a name, a real name for these animals. No, we just call them rabbit and bird. How many have a dog that you just call dog? <laughs> okay, I'm going to move on. We're into the revelation of Jesus Christ, and we're at the throne room. This is a privileged perspective that we have. And I trust that you will read this with a sense of adventure and intrigue to know what this means. God gave you that gift. Use it in studying this mysterious book. These are actual truths. And as we have always done this and will continue to do this as long as I'm here teaching on Revelation, I would like us to read this statement. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. Do you believe that? Look at the news. No, don't look there. That's discouraging. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone, and a sardius in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and upon the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. Out from the throne came flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal, and in the center and around the throne four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion, and the second creature like a calf, and the third creature had a face like that of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. Just a, a clue as we go ahead. I think I've told you this before. 
go through your Bible or get a copy of an inexpensive printed Bible if you don't want to mark in your book, but mark your Bible. My attempt is to mark every chapter that I read with certain colors. And that way I can look at it just on the page and I can see how many blue highlighted words are there. You know that there are 76 mentions of the throne in the Bible? 61 of them are in this book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. And the most concentrated are in the passage that we're studying right now, where John goes up to the throne. So over and over and over and over, the Bible is saying there is a throne. There is a king. There is one who created all things. And one of the strongest messages of Revelation is affirming what God said in Genesis and throughout the Bible. We are all created. We didn't just happen. Your life isn't just one mistake after another. You might think it is. Or one good luck. That guy's lucky, you're not. That's not the way it works. There are choices. And those choices determine what we will be. And it doesn't have to mean that, well, I was born in a poor house. Do you know how many millionaires there are that were born in a poor house? Scads of them. And I went online to try to find out how many there actually were who came out of poverty. There's many, many, many of these people. That's not an accident. That is on the basis of decisions. It isn't just good luck. Religion isn't about luck. Well, some of them are. But Christianity is about truth and decisions and obedience and following that which God has given us of our brains and our wills and the decisions that we make for life. That's how we understand this book. And we're having a privilege of looking into these scenes. But also look for, in Revelation, if you're reading through, get a marker and use whatever color is uh, your fancy. But whenever it has some kind of a movement, for instance, after these things, and I saw, and he came, and when he had, make notes or highlight the ands, the whens, the afters, the thens, any word like that. You'll be shocked to find out through Revelation, just about every other verse starts with a, and this happened, or when this happened, or then this happened. It's scene after scene after scene after scene. How many frames are there in a normal film? How many frames in, say, a full-length feature film? You know what I'm talking about? That's what these ands and thens are in Revelation. They're like frames. Give me another picture, another snapshot. But treat the words, these words that I just talked to you about, 
as if they were periods. The dot, you know, at the end of a sentence, that tells you what? Stop. Well, we all know to stop. But do we really think about that stop? But the next word is very, very important after the period. So put that first word in conjunction with the period that comes before it. Because now you're changing scenes. I think that this is very important for us to look for these words as you're reading through Revelation. Scene in heaven, the throne, and worship around the throne. Those are the three things we're going to cover very quickly. And I looked and I heard. And John had an opportunity of going up there with his cognitive, rational mind and looking. He wasn't drunk. He wasn't drugged. He went and saw. And he heard. And behold, the door was standing open in heaven. The door is open in heaven. Did you know that? You know, we're having trouble with this church. We have a steel gate that comes down and we have to pass keys around to all of our responsible people to make sure that that door comes down at night. Ah, I think we should just leave the church open. It would save me a lot of time sometimes when I have to run down and open it up for somebody wanting to get into the church. But you know what? There's a door open in heaven. That means that all of us can have entrance. No one's shut out. Heaven is open. We just need to know the way. And who is the way? That's the difference. Behold the door standing open in heaven. And the first voice he hears is like the sound of a trumpet speaking. And those words like, like, you have to take those exactly for what they're saying. Like. Was the voice a trumpet? No, it was not a trumpet. But it sounded like a trumpet. And the voice said, Come here! And I will show you. I will show you. God is a God of mercy. And those that will come, he will lead them because he is the good shepherd. He cares for the sheep. And when we're tired and when our life is done, this is where we go to that open door in heaven. John was fortunate before the end of his life, he had an opportunity to go up there. Why? To tell the rest of us what was to be expected. That's the God of mercy, wanting us to know who he is, what he is. And he said, I was in the spirit. What does that mean to you? Well, to us who are believers in Jesus Christ, when we believe in Jesus Christ, we confess our sins and we receive him into our life. Sometimes we say, Jesus lives in my heart. Is that really true? Not really. 
Jesus is too big for my heart. But by his Holy Spirit, he comes and dwells within me. And all of you who have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have the Spirit of God living in you. That is a promise. And that we can stand on. All who live godly have this Spirit in them. And that is the fruit, that is the evidence of their life. And that's what we should be living by the direction of the Holy Spirit. And here in my Bible, it's a little bit difficult. And the reason why I directed you to put special marks in your Bible, it says John saw one sitting on the throne. Who was that one? Can you take a stab at it? Can you take a guess? Who was one sitting on the throne? It is the Godhead. It's the Godhead. The one. The three in one. Those of you that don't know, there are three persons of our Christian God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And when John took a look at the throne, he saw one sitting. And he was like a jasper stone, a sardius in appearance. Let me just show you what a jasper stone looks like. I had to look it up. And this is a sardius. They're not precious stones. They're normal, ordinary stones. You would think the throne of God would be diamonds or silver. No. He's the one that made the universe. He made stones. Common, ordinary stones that you'd walk along the street and you just kick them with your foot. That's Jasper and Sardius. They're just common, ordinary looking stones. But when you put them into a polishing machine, they come out looking like jewels. Speaking of us. There was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald, which is green. And around the throne, there were 24 elders seated on thrones in white garments and crowns. What's significant here? We talked about the 24 elders. If you divide 24 in half, what do you have? 12. How many disciples did Jesus choose? 12. How many tribes were there that Katie just talked about? How many tribes? There were 12 tribes. So what is God saying when there's 24 elders both Israel and the church are combined in God's economy and in his vision of who are the true followers of the living God. It's Israel and it's the church. Does that mean that everybody in the church will go to heaven? No. Does it mean that everybody in Israelite will go to heaven? No. Because we have to make a choice. And the choice has to be the Son of God, who came as the Lamb, 
and laid down his life on the cross. And that's the significance of what Katie showed you with the encampments of the Israelites around the tabernacle, the shape of a cross. The cross wasn't something the Romans invented or even improved upon. The cross was in the heart of God in the very beginning. God is giving John a picture here, the description around the throne, lightning, peals of thunder, same thing that we witness when Moses went up on the mountain to get the law, the Ten Commandments. The Israelites were scared to death, and they thought, Moses is dead. Nobody could withstand that lightning and thunder. And there were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind, like a lion, like a calf, a face like a man, and like an eagle. And they were saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. I would like us to stand in closing and say this verse together. You notice that there was three holies Whenever we see the Lord and he's being worshipped, it's always three holies. I know that there have been songs, modern songs written that only have two holies. The one that we sang this morning only has two holies. But Katie added the third one in there because that song was lacking. This is meaningful to us who are believers in Jesus Christ. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not three gods. One God with three persons. That's who we worship. And God accommodated us into his presence. Let's read this together. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Amen. And the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.